appreciate what God has given us for food in this hour. I was just looking this afternoon, communicating with uh, Brother Barry Coffey, and uh, they had just shipped some church-age books into Central America and to Honduras, and he just sent some pictures of the believers getting their first church-age book. I'll tell you what, they didn't have their masks on, but I could see they had a smile as big as could be. Friends, the world is languishing, and God has given us food. I, I think we ought to be so grateful, so thankful. Can, can you imagine what, what people are living on and being sustained by outside of what you and I have? Friends, ask Brother Marshall what he was feeding on two years ago, and ask him about what he's got now. I'll tell you what, we ought to be thankful, more thankful than ever. Amen. I just had a prayer request this afternoon I would just like to mention. We'll just sing um, uh, a chorus, bring all your needs to the altar. This is from Brother Brandon Whitmire. He said, Brother Ed, could you please bring a prayer request before the church? Two of our home care patients in Wilmington Lodge, Willington Lodge have confirmed COVID positive. They're heavy drinkers. It looks like it's bad. My home care office is about to drop to half staff. Nurses have been exposed. It's going to stay like that until the swabs come back. The lodge has it worse. And he says a lot of the people are elderly, advanced, not healthy or strong. He said, pray, pray for us. So let's remember him. You have a little need on your heart and maybe somebody you know, maybe you have a need somewhere. He's still the high priest that can be touched. Bring all your needs to
time we want to say thank you. Lord, we heard praise testimonies this morning of how you've answered prayer, how saints had little needs. And Father, to you, the smallest need is just the same. A toothache is the same as a cancer to you. And Lord, you understand and you know our needs and you're very mindful. And we want to say thank you for that. Lord, our Brother Brandon has brought this request. Lord, it's in the middle of his work and his livelihood, and it affects those around him. And Father, you've placed him there. He's there as a light. I pray also that you would keep him. I pray that you'd watch over him and protect him. And Father, while he's there, we're asking that the angel of God would be around him. Lord, we're living in a time where I believe your eyes are on the elect. I believe that there is something around them that differentiates them from the world, O oh Lord. Father, may you remember our brother and may you watch that situation and make a way for him. We appreciate the sincerity, Lord. Father, now as we just turn to the word, take us for this short while. Lord, bring to our attention of where we're at and what manner of people we ought to be. Lord, for we live in a in a great time, a great setting. Father, it, it, it's been in the making for years and, and generations. And Father, yet we're here. We see it coming to our door. I pray, Lord, you'd forgive me my shortcomings, my inabilities, my weaknesses. But I pray, oh Lord, that you'd feed your people. I pray you'll bless them. I pray that you'll bless the word we're about to read. We commit ourselves to you for service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Mario. Thank you to the musicians. I'll ask you to turn with me to Revelations chapter 13. Revelations chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> and a brother texted me this afternoon, and he was just sharing and, and said, it seems like things are happening quickly in the world. And I said, truly they are. And some of the quotes we shared where Brother Branham would say it would be a short, quick work. It may have been years in the building, but the events are starting to happen and multiply. And, and uh, we need to be just aware. May God help us. Revelations 13, verse 1. 
And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and having his horns and ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So the beast is a power. The dragon is the devil. So the dragon gave him his authority, his power, his seat, his place. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and the deadly wound was healed, and the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Now there's a part of this prophecy that will be fulfilled in the tribulation period. And that's where it's moving into him. Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. With a comma. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Oh, how we ought to thank God that he left a seed. Friends, if there wouldn't have been something in us to be quickened, except the Lord left a seed, we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I want to read just two quotes out of the church age book and then I want to read some scriptures and I'm going to go into some PowerPoint. These quotations are, they seemed afar off at one time, but I feel like they're coming right to our door. We know we're living in the end time, Brother Branham would say, and this is out of the Sardesian church age. It is in this age that the churches are coming together they are even now controlling world politics. They will soon control the finances of the world. Then, if you don't belong to the world organization of churches, you won't be able to buy or sell. You will lose all. Now, we can see this in minor form already. And uh, recently, there were some things regarding our church and and, and, and we would just say, even our government that's in the land, they open up grants and programs. There was a summer student grant program that was opened up. 
and you could sign up for it and you could, you could get it, but you had to sign a waiver and say you agree with the government's stand on abortion, you agree with the government's stand on that, and many businesses said we can't sign that, and they said, well, you don't get the money then. Now, and, the go- and I would just say our government, the liberal government, was unapologetic about their ideology and their moral stand because they believe it so right. Now I'll say that same thing is even happening and it's becoming, it's coming to our door. Now Brother Branham would say you won't be able to buy or sell, you will lose all. Those who stay true to God and keep their garments clean from the defilement of this world system of the church orders will be physically bereft. In other words, you won't be given the, the same opportunities everybody else is. There will be presented to them a great temptation to give in. Preachers will be given with the excuse that they, should, they will serve God within the framework of the Antichrist beast system. They will give in to the flatterers, flatteries and blandishments of the hierarchy, and the people will follow these false shepherds right into the slaughter. But in the judgment, they will all be found naked. Naked, They will not be given white robes, neither will they walk with him. You can't walk in the spotted garments of the world, holding hands with the devil here, and then expect to be with God. I, I, I'm not going to read many quotations. I, I want these just to be made real. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. Amen. God is speaking. Shun the religions of this world like you shun the plague. Leave off walking with the world. Make your garments white by repentance and the blood of the Lamb. But do it now, for tomorrow may be too late. Now, I I want to just, Brother Dan, I didn't give you this, but I I want to read just a little bit more out of Revelations 13. And it says in verse 11 of Revelations 13, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and he caused all the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, how many knows what this beast was coming out of the earth? How many would know? This is the United States in prophecy. And it says it had two horns like a lamb. Now, it wasn't a lamb. It was like a lamb. And Brother Branham would speak of it in the Mark of the Beast message, and he said, it's the American buffalo, the bison. Now, I don't know if you know this, but they've had the eagle for years, but it was a few years back when President Obama was in power. He resurrected the image of the the bison as the national animal of the United States. Now, 
That, that had been many years where it hadn't been, but it was now made official. Now, I, I don't think these things are all by accident. But the Bible would say that it, would, that it's, it, it, it had horns like a lamb and it spake as a dragon. We are seeing the United States change and it's beginning to speak like a dragon. Now, I don't say Canada's exempt. We actually, I, I would say, are more left-leaning than they are in respects. We don't have the charter, a constitutional charter, to uphold freedoms that they do. Now, it says, He caused all that dwelt on the earth to worship the first beast. And, 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 and I, I don't want to read all of this, but let's go to verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast that they should be killed. Now that image is an image unto the beast, but it is the world council of churches. Now I, I don't have the time to go into all the quotations but these things are true. And the World Council of Churches, how many knows what year it was initiated? 1948. The same year that Israel was becoming a nation. Now, when you see all the trees, now when you see the fruit tree, the fig tree, which is Israel, and all the trees begin to bud and flourish. Know that the end is near. We are seeing a maturation of all of these things. I could pull a clip out and it would show all from two years ago, all the major religions of the world got together and signed an agreement that they would work together. And they were all there. And you saw Muslim leaders, you saw... Uh, Christian leaders, you saw them all. They were all there. Now, I, I want you to just to take this. It, it, it would be exactly like it was in the time of Cain and Abel. Now, we left off on that a little bit this morning, but Cain and Abel, I, I, I didn't get into it, and I, I really like how Brother Harold often had a a dialogue, or he emphasized a dialogue, because somewhere they started talking. And somewhere, something that was expressed in the discussion began to make Cain angry. And it began to make him such that his anger, because I'll say it this way, the spirit that was on Abel, which was a godly spirit, and the spirit that was on Cain, which was an antichrist spirit, or against that, were opposing spirits. And those spirits live to this very day. And if the devil can't stop the truth, he will kill the vessel that is bringing the truth. That's always been his tactic. So whatever that conversation was... And, and I, I won't use what, you know, it, it was maybe such that, you know, God had told Cain, if you do as your brother does, I'll accept you. 
knowing that he could not humble himself, he didn't have the wherewithal. And really, he was void of revelation. It took revelation. It still takes revelation. I'll tell you what. Revelation is the beginning of spiritual war. That is when your flesh gets subjected. That's when you realize who you are, where you stand, and where you're going. And Abel could talk by revelation and say, I know what it was in the garden. I knew it was not an apple. I know it was not fruit. Oh yeah, what was it? And he says, it was, it was an illicit fa- affair. And he goes, no. And, and he says, yeah. And furthermore, you and I don't have the same father. I'll tell you what, right then, you read John chapter 8, and you watch as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. That same spirit is alive. And I'll say it this way, that spirit is alive in the earth today. And I'll say, when we come into our position more and more, and we demonstrate on what we're standing, you watch that seed rise up around us. It is here. But we're here also. And I will say, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's just read a little bit more here. And he caused those that would not worship the image of the beast that they should be killed. Verse 16. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, at the time that, and let me maybe finish reading, that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And he would say, here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of his man his number is 603 score and 6, 666. Now, if, if, if we would take all of this, and Brother Branham was asked in the questions and answers on the mark of the beast, and they said, what kind of a mark is it? Is it a physical mark? And he would, he would first declare, he says, don't worry about the physical mark. It's a spiritual mark more than anything. And that's a little of where I'm going. Don't look at what's happening out there. You're not going to avoid it. Your channel has got to be the the nature of Abel, to be serving God's purpose, taking care of his word, maintaining a right spirit, not as Cain did. Cain, who used the word for his own, own advantage, who manipulated it, who hybrid it, who operated on a different level, whose religion... Would, would still continue even after he left the presence of God. Whose religion, it was not to take care of God's word, but it was to use it for his own advantage. I believe that God made that clear to us, even as we looked in the scripture this morning. Now, I, I want to just establish, you say, well, you know, it, it's as simple as believing or not believing. Actually, it's not as simple as that. And, and, and Brother Branham would talk about it. He said, to reject the seal of God is to take the mark of the beast. I'll say this. When Cain rejected what God gave him, 
he was already marked because it set him on a path where he was going to murder his brother. And, and, if, you, and if you notice how we read in the scripture there this morning in Genesis chapter 4, how it said, after he murdered his brother, and then God said to him, where is your brother? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, the voice of your brother's blood cries from the ground. And, and he says, and it's now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive thy brother's blood, blood from thy hand. And when you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield to the, you unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. And, and it says, Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. You've driven me from this. I'll be a fugitive. Everybody will slay me. And God said, no. He says, I'm going to put a mark on you. Now, that's the marking that was there in the beginning. But there was also a ceiling in the beginning. And the ceiling was that God had given, had given, had given Abel his word. He received it. He had the Spirit of God. That was his seal. And I'll say, we, we read then where Cain went from the presence of the Lord. He dwelt in the land of Nod, which he became a wanderer. He did his own thing, built a city. And, and we didn't get to this part, but in, in Genesis 4, verse 25, And Adam knew his son again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For she said, God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Now watch what happened. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. What did it show? Right in Genesis, it showed there is a resurrection. This seed will bring forth again. This seed will not die. This seed will prevail over everything. Now, let's just take uh, Revelations chapter 14. I want to read. Now, these are scriptures, and they talk about the seriousness of taking on the mark of the beast. Revelations 14, Brother Adam actually refers to him in the messages that we, we read, read of, but let's just read Revelations 14, verse 6. And I, I, I want to make this that, that we would just understand and recognize all around us, friends, there's things happening. But I'd say all our, within us, there's also something that's happening. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drunk, drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in the forehead and his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured without with mixture into the curse of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, I, 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 I just say that a lot of these scriptures, they, they are fulfilled, and this is not chronological, but I'll say this, these things are real. These things are true. 
There's coming a day, brother. The judgment of God is coming. Brother Brandon would say, you don't want to be there at that white throne judgment, having that mark and not having a seal. You don't want to be there. Revelations 15, verse 1. Now this would go into the vials, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, singing, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Friends, there was a a sealing at the beginning. There was a marking at the beginning. There's a sealing at the end. There's a marking at the end. It's coming to a head. Revelation 16, verse 1 and 2. This is now the vials, and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and greasome sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. The vials are through the tribulation. They're the judgments of God. You look and you can take a parallel. There is the seals of God. There is the trumpets, which is to Israel. There is then the vials, which is the judgments to the earth. One last one, Genesis, uh, Revelations 20. Remember, these are symbology, and, and, and they're, they're there, and they're, they're, they're symbolic of things. Revelations 20, verse 4. And I saw the thrones, and that them, and they sat on him, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Hallelujah. There's the group that we want to be a part of. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Oh, let me be a part of that resurrection. Blessed and holy which is he which hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Can I just pause here for a moment? If you have been baptized... If you've gone through a process of justification, sanctification, and you have the Holy Ghost, you are a part of this number right now. You will never come into judgment. You can never come into judgment. That is the seal of God. Nothing can take away from that. You are, you're sealed. A seal is a finished work. A seal is a completed work. A seal will arrive at its destination. And that's what we're a part of. And you are never despise it. You need that in this day more than ever before. We ought to be the most thankful people. Brother Dan, can you put on that PowerPoint, please? Now.
soon as this clicker works, I'll be okay. There we go. It's supposed to be working. I think some of you yesterday got the benefit of technology. We sent an email out that some of you got three, four times. We were just trying to make a statement. That's all I want to say. We wanted to make sure you got the message. So thank you for receiving all those emails. Amen. I'm not getting this uh, clicker to work for me for some reason. I don't, I don't know what we're doing there, but yeah, maybe it is now. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> Let's try it. There we are. Okay. I want to read just a couple of quotes, and then I want to go into some things. Joseph meeting his brethren. Brother Ram talks about Genesis being the seed chapter. It was the beginning of sin. It was the beginning of all the cults. It was the beginning of the true church. It was the beginning of the false church. It was the beginning of righteousness. It was the beginning of deceit. It was the beginning of all things they started in Genesis. I, I haven't gone into some of the lineage. You go into Genesis chapter 5 and Genesis chapter 4 of the false seed and, and, the, and the, the, the other seed, the, the true seed. And even to where it goes into Genesis chapter 11, where, you know, there was a manifestation of Nimrod, but there was a forced worship. All the earth had to worship, and, and, it, and they, all the earth spoke one language. It's coming that way again, where all the earth is going to speak one language, all except for one people, and that we want to be accounted a part of that people. Brother Branham would say, in true and false vine, and this is a, we shared this this morning, uh, in the middle of this it said, all these things were in Genesis, Babylon was there, talks about Kim, King Nebuchadnezzar at the issuing in of the Gentiles, and then it talks about how Babylon started with idolatry, in the middle of the book it's idolatry, but at the end of the paragraph he says, salvation begins in Genesis, impersonation begins there, formality begins there. Everything that began at Genesis like a vine. Now, I will just say this. What the devil did in a minor form, and I just talked about the what's behind every spirit is a desire. What's behind every spirit is, is a, let, let me call this a, 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 an insatiable. It, it cannot be stopped. It cannot be filled. That enemy... Uh, you know, as many times as he's been defeated, he still keeps coming. And the Bible would say in Revelations 12, he's come down having great wrath, for he knows his time is short. And I'll, I'll say this, he will not stop. He's relentless in what he does. And I will say, but also God is relentless in what he does. God will not be stopped. But as he's coming to the culmination of of this Eden that he lives in, the, the devil, it all started there. It all keeps going. Mark of the beast, he says, the seal of God is the Holy Spirit. The mark of beast is to reject the Holy Spirit. There's only two classes of people on the side of salvation and rejecting begin in Genesis like everything else begin. Trying to do God a service. This is what we shared, how Brother Branham would make God did something to him in these last months, and he desired to go back to his tabernacle and preach this message, uh, the trail of the serpent. He said, I want to speak about the beast at the beginning and the beast of the end through the trail of the serpent. See, 
Takes about four hours. I got scriptures all laying out. The beast from the beginning, he was the beast of the Garden of Eden. He's the beast at the end. He's a religious person, a denomination that made the denomination and came right through the trail of it and prove it by the scriptures that he is. He said, I didn't know that until the Holy Spirit, he said, give it to me the other day up there. He would also go on to say, and in, in the second paragraph, if you ever bought one of my tapes, get this. When I get it, when I get home, the trail of the serpent, and you'll see where it's at, where this ends up. I'm going to go home and speak it, the Lord willing. It's about four hours. Now, that was his desire. And I would say, he also had a desire to preach the, the feast of the trumpets. He also had a desire, but God said, you've already supernaturally speak them. I believe God, by revelation, can show us all of these things. Now, now, the interesting thing about this quotation was chapter 14, he said, what preluded these thoughts was just before that, he said, a businessman sitting here, he would be telling him, he said, right here in California, the church has to tell the labor union what to do. See, it's coming church and state again. It's right on you, you're right in there, and you take the mark of the beast not knowing it. Now, I, I, I trust you're listening, and I appreciate you listening. We, we shared this. A horse is a beast that represents his power. His power is all mixed up. It's politics. It's national powers, religious powers, demon powers, all kinds of powers mixed together, a mixed pale horse. He's got all kinds of powers. And they're being brought together. They're, in themselves, they could not do it, but they're being brought together. He said, political, religious, and demon powers mixed together. Now, you can, and Brother Branham, I, I want to bring this in. Politics. He's the king of politics, Satan is. He's smart. Phew. Don't try to out, outwit him. Just trust the Lord. And then he would also say at the bottom... Follow Cain's children and see what they become. Then follow Seth's children and see what they were. Listen, if, if you're in a job where you, you've, you've got education and religion, uh, I, listen, that's not, a, that's, that's not what we're speaking about. We work in the world, but it's not we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's not what we live for. He says, I'm not supporting ignorance. But he said, Paul was a very smart man. He had to forget everything he knowed of in order to know Christ. I never come to you with enticing words of wisdom of men, but I come in the power of the resurrection of Christ. And he said, see, it's smart, intellectual, and wisdom, and wisdom is exactly the thing that takes you away from God. I'll just say, stay simple, stay humble, you go and listen to the seventh seal, and Brother Branham would say it countless times. Don't try to make more of this. Don't try to figure it out. Live the right kind of life. Do it at home. Do it in your church. Just stay humble. Stay simple before God. Now, I want to I just bring a few events that are happening. And I, I want to say... These are coming closer than ever before, and I referred to some of these. 
This is an article. It says, The Great Reset, if only it were just a conspiracy. The Great Reset has been masterminded by the World Economic Forum. is just corporatism by another name. Writing for the Specter U.S., Ben Sexsmith gets to grips with the Great Reset, now being proposed by the World Economic Forum, which is Davos. Despite a name that sounds as if it were conjured up in conspiracism's dark, danker fever swamps, the Great Reset really exists. And it says the World Economic Forum, which organized at the annual conference in Davos, has launched an initiative called The Great Reset. It has its own website. Indeed, it does. And it says, but after noting the involvement of partners such as Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, IBM, Ikea, Lockheed Martin, Ericsson, and Deloitte, Sixsmith, he doubts whether the Great Reset can be seen, as some like to say, uh, as a social left Marcus or a global communist takeover plan. I'll say that it's not just an economic reset. It is, there's agendas at play here. It started under the guise of climate change. But it, it took more than that. This was, uh, an, the whole COVID has actually given a lot of credence to this movement. And they would say, with the economic emergency responses to the pandemic in place, the opportunity can now be seized to make the kind of institutional changes and policy changes that will put economies towards a fairer, greener future. I was to say this, this involves every nation. Let me read a little bit for, further. This is another article. Introducing the Great Reset, World Leaders Radical a plan to transform the economy. For decades, progressives have attempted to use climate change to justify these liberal policy changes. But their latest attempt, called the Reset, is the most ambitious and radical plan the world has seen in more than a generation. In a virtual meeting in June, hosted by the world, and that was, I think, back last year by the World Economic Forum, or maybe it was this year, some of the planet's most powerful business leaders Government officials and activists announced a proposal to reset the global economy. Do you remember how many times Brother Benham said when, we, when America went off the gold standard and they went into bonds and how that would link together uh, and it would open the door for, for other avenues to come in? This is all a part of it. He said, now... Instead of traditional capitalism, the high-profile group said the world should adopt more socialist policies such as wealth taxes, additional regulations, and massive Green New Deal-like government programs. Every country from the United States to China must participate. Every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed, wrote the founder. Klaus Schwab is his name. Sounds like a Ukrainian or a German. I don't know, one of the two. But he says... Uh, the founder and executive chairman of the World's Economic Forum in an article. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. You actually find this as language being talked about more and more. Every nation, I will say this, Canada has gone from a $30 billion deficit to a $300 billion deficit. That's in one year as the result of the pandemic. Friends, like, I, I know people in business, and they just throw their hands up. Well, I don't know. They're going to figure it out. They, they're looking for a bailout already. They're, they're saying, 
I mean, what do you expect us to do? Quit everything? It's going to come. And I know where it's going to come from. We know where it's going to come from. It said every country. I wrote that, got this twice. Of course, government officials, activists, and influencers can impose this seismic change on their own. Uh, it's going to involve, uh, it's why activated vast networks of left-wing activists from out the world who will, through 2021, demand changes in line with the Great Reset. So there's actually a whole agenda, and it's called left-wing activists. Now, you, you're, we see it more and more, and, and, and I, I, I just trust I can say a few things. I don't want to make this just, I, I don't have much more. I want to bring a few other items in here. The left has already proven that through the COVID pandemic, it can radically, radically transform political realities in the midst of a crisis, so it's not hard to see how the Great Reset will eventually come to fruition. This was a kind of chilling phrase in the article. A frequently cited phrase from the, the 2030 prediction is, you will own nothing and you will be happy. This is, if this is the hope of the future, I say, take this whole world and give me Jesus. There is nothing here for us. Now, interestingly, there's a religious player involved in all of this. Here's the Pope's prescription for resetting the global economy in response to COVID-19. He put out a 43,000-word-long encyclical, published, and he put his stamp on efforts to shape what's been termed a great reset of the global economy in response to the devastation of COVID-19. It's strange, when COVID broke out, he really was quiet and quiet and quiet. You'd think with all the resources and all the goodwill, they would have been out there funding programs. They didn't do a thing. Now, he recently put out something to the youth, and he's actually taking biblical things. This is an opportunity for the youth, and he's really appealing to them. This will be the start of something new, and I didn't have time to bring in all of those things. But it was chillingly reminding me of a leader that came in the early part of the century who made this statement. Give me one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. You know who that was? Vladimir Lenin. And that's what he went about to do his revolution. This is interesting. I just got this article today. Since uh, the new president-elect, there's been left-wing voices start to raise their voice already. This is an LGBT group that has urged Biden to strip accreditation of Christian schools with biblical beliefs. One of the leading national LGBT activist organizations is urging the presumptive president-elect and his administration to advance polities that would strip Christian colleges that uphold and, and stance, rules and stances that oppose homosexuality of their accreditation. Friends, this goes right back to the book of Genesis. How many remember when the angels 
the two messengers that went down to Sodom to bring Lot out. They went down, and I will say the people, they were so demonic possessed in that age that they didn't just want Lot's daughters that he offered, they wanted the men. And I will say, we've watched a whole movement start. And all it started with was they wanted a little bit of recognition. But I'll say it never has stopped. It wasn't just a little bit of recognition. They wanted then some rights. And they didn't just want rights. They want you to reconcile your beliefs with their beliefs. And this will not stop. This will continue on. This is the world we live in. That was the spirit in Sodom in Genesis. That is the spirit now. I don't know if you've seen the legislation that's being proposed in Canada. But the legislation under this new Bill 6, I believe it's, it's called, and it, it talks about how, and, and it's presently going to be passed, and I, and I believe, and it's how it is um, wrong for anybody to try to convert somebody from homosexuality and to convert them over to a legitimate way of life. And it would say in the article, it says, Bill 6, conversion therapy ban. Pastors and priests can be jailed for two years for publicly preaching repentance to homosexuals. Counselors can be jailed for two years for offering help to those struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. Books, videos, websites, TV programs, and perhaps the Bible itself will be censored and banned for espousing the traditional view of sexuality and gender. This comes right out of Genesis. Here's the part that even is further. Parents can be jailed for five years for teaching their children to accept their biological gender or to reject sexual immorality. Bill 6 in Canada. Friends, this is not way off somewhere. This is right at the door. This is the world that we live in. Don't think, oh, it, it's, it's way off. There, there, I, I didn't pull the quote out, but Brother Bannon would say, and, and I shared it this morning, it will come in innocence. And he says, you'll wake up one morning, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing this quote, you'll wake up one morning and the world will be changed. We saw that under what's happened in this pandemic. We woke up and then the next day it says, you can't go to work, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know what it's doing? It's paving the way for an acceptance of other ideas. I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fear it. I'm going to fear the Lord. Because the Lord is the master. I'm not going to let their fear be my fear. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Because He promised He would take care of us. I will not dishonor Him by looking at these things and trembling. 
I will not go and stack up, stack up uh, you know, and, and hide in a corner and in a hole. I will not do those things. I will trust in the Lord. That ought to be our desire. I, 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 I find these things incredulous. Part of this group says the request for part of the human rights campaign was the blueprint for positive change. And it talks as Biden pledged in his 2020 campaign to advance LGBT equality in the U.S. and around the world. He's already made the promise. He's already picking people that represent a lot of these movements. I want to play a couple of clips for you. Brother Dan, if you can get those ready. These were the result of hearings that were just held in the United States, and it has to do with the major corporations, some of who are involved with this great reset. These corporations, they are a part of, of these agendas and, and all of these things, and they have slowly... I, I mentioned to you Google, I mentioned to you Twitter, I mentioned to you Facebook, different ones. But they have slowly, as part of the media, began to bring forth agendas. And so there was a questioning of some of the major, uh, major individuals. So, Brother Dan, if you can play this first clip, this will just be about a minute and a half. This is one of the Republican centers questioning the face the Facebook CEO and the Twitter CEO. It just tells a little bit about the structure of the hearing. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Facebook and Twitter and Google have massive power. They have a monopoly on public discourse in the online arena. I will say it's dismaying listening to the questions from our Democratic colleagues because consistently the message from Senate Democrats is for Facebook and Twitter and Google to censor more, to abuse their power more, to silence voices that Senate Democrats disagree with more. That is very dangerous if we want to maintain a free and fair democracy, if we want to maintain free speech. There was a time when Democrats embraced and defended the principles of free speech. There was a time when Democrats embraced and defended the principles of a free press. And yet there's an absolute silence from Democrats speaking up for the press outlets censored by big tech. There's an absolute silence for Democrats speaking out for the citizens silenced by big tech. Instead, there is a demand, use even more power to silence dissent and that's a totalitarian instinct that I think is very dangerous. At the same time that big tech exercises massive power, it also enjoys massive corporate welfare. Through the effect of Section 230, a special immunity from liability that nobody else gets. Congress has given big tech, in effect, a subsidy while they become some of the wealthiest corporations on the face of the planet. Mr. Dorsey, I want to focus primarily on Twitter and ask you initially, is Twitter a publisher? You could stop. Is Twitter? You could stop it there, Brother Dan. Thank you. You can look this up yourself, but I will say he goes on and you see some very nervous CEOs. The CEO of Twitter 
who had to explain why they would, would ban uh, certain things, certain language that were put out to a more conservative viewpoint, but did not meet their community guidelines, did not meet their ideology. And it, it, was, it was rather embarrassing to watch it. Now, I, I want to play another clip, and that's clip number two. Brother Dan, if you play just that first version, if you can do that, I trust we don't get an ad coming up. Um, but if you would, would play this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In the late 19th century... Just stop century, that for a minute. Just pause it. The heads... This is, this is rather interesting. This is a Republican center. If you close your eyes and you listen to his voice and his presentation, think about who he reminds you of. Just go ahead now. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In the late 19th century, the heads of the biggest corporations in America, the robber barons, got together and they set rates, they set prices, they determined how they would control information flow, they determined how they'd get rid of competition. And uh, I'll be darned if we aren't right back there again. Except for this time, you're the robber barons. Your companies are the most powerful companies in the world. And I want to talk about how you're coordinating together to control information. In recent days, my office was contacted by a Facebook whistleblower, a former employee of the company, with direct knowledge of the company's content moderation practices. And I want to start by talking about an internal platform called Tasks that Facebook uses to coordinate projects, including censorship. The Tasks platform allows Facebook employees to communicate about projects they're working on together. That includes Facebook censorship teams, including the so-called community well-being team, the integrity team, and the hate speech engineering team, who all use the task platform to discuss which individuals or hashtags or websites to ban. Now, Mr. Zuckerberg, you're familiar with the task platform, aren't you? Senator, uh, we use the, the task system for, um, I, I think it's, as you say, for people coordinating all kinds of uh, work across the company, although I, I'm not sure if I'd agree with the characterization specifically um, around content moderation that you gave. Well, uh, let's get into that. Uh, and let me see if we can refresh your memory and, and provide folks at home watching with an example. Here over my shoulder is an example. It's a screenshot of the task platform in use. You'll notice if the cameras zoom in, several references to election integrity throughout on these lists of tasks. Again, this is shared across Facebook sites, uh, company locations, by working groups. What particularly intrigued me is that the platform reflects censorship input from Google and Twitter as well. So Facebook, as I understand it, Facebook censorship teams communicate with their counterparts at Twitter and Google and then enter those companies' suggestions for censorship onto the task platform so that Facebook can then follow up with them and effectively coordinate their censorship efforts. Mr. Zuckerberg, let me just ask you directly, under oath now, does Facebook coordinate its content moderation policies or efforts in any way? Can you just jump ahead to the further part? There's some dialogue there, but I, I, won't, I don't want to belabor this. I just want to show you this is what's happening. You might use some of these very platforms that you work on not knowing that they're actually all beginning to work together, beginning to speak one language, beginning to establish an ideology that is of their own doing. 
Go ahead and take this part. Aware of anything minutes. specific, but I, I think it would be uh, probably pretty normal for people to talk to their their peers and colleagues in the industry. It would but be normal, but you don't do it. No, I, I, I'm I'm saying that I, I I'm not aware of any particular conversation, but. I would expect that some level of, of communication probably happens. Ah, but that is different from coordinating uh, what our policies are or our responses in specific instances. Well, fortunately, I understand that the task platform is searchable. So will you provide a list of every mention of Google or Twitter from the tasks platform to this committee? Senator, that's something that I can follow up with you and your team after on. Well, uh, yes or no, I'm, I'm sure you can follow up with the list, but why don't you commit while I've got you here under oath? It's so much better to do this under oath. Will you commit now to providing a list from the tasks platform of every mention of Google or Twitter? Senator, respectfully, I'm, I'm without having looked into this, I'm not aware of any sensitivity that might exist around that, so I don't think it would be uh, wise for me to commit to that right now, but so I would be happy to follow up. How many items on the task platform reflect that Facebook, Twitter, and Google are sharing information about websites or hashtags or platforms that they want to suppress? Senator, I, I do not know. Uh, will you provide a list of every website and hashtag that Facebook content moderation teams have discussed banning on the task platform? Senator, again, I would be happy to follow up with you or your team uh, to discuss further how we might move forward on that. But without just Will you commit to it here? You, Senator Cruz and Senator Lee both asked you for lists of individuals, websites, entities that have been subject to content moderation. You expressed doubt about whether any such information exists, but you've also now said that the task website, you've, you've, you've acknowledged the task platform exists, that it is searchable. So will you commit to providing the information you have logged on the task website about content moderation that your company has undertaken? Yes or no? Senator, I think it would be better to, to follow. Hi, I'm Stop Dr. It. Amy. Thank you. A pretty good politician there too. Like couldn't answer yes or no. Does that remind you of anybody in Canada? Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm putting all of these things forward. Whether you realize it or not, the world around us is changing. Whether we realize it or not, these things are moving closer and closer to us all the time. They are ushering in a control. They are ushering in another agenda. I'm not here to major on conspiracy theories, but I just need us to know, friends, the hour is late. We are living at a time when we need to know where we stand. We can't just rely on saying, I'm a part of the church, I'm a part of this, you know, therefore it's not going to come. Brother Branham would be very specific with his own congregation. He would say to him, he says, the, the mark of the beast can come right into the midst of this church, he said. And he said, the seal of God will come and seal those who has, whose heart is right with God. And he said, there's a sealing angel that's going out. Now, I, there's a whole part of this that I, I would really want to do as part of a preaching service. I felt just to take it to a level today, and I just want to make a couple of more comments. But I, I want to just take the couple of things Brother Branham would talk about. And I, I just want to identify this because I think we're, we're living in an unbelievable time. And things are happening quicker and quicker and quicker. And I'll say this, we need to be on our toes. 
There'll come a time when if, if we're not careful, we're relaxed and we just walk into it. And I'd say, and I, I say, if you got the Spirit of God, you don't need to worry. Just walk with Him. Talk with Him. Don't be fearful. And then and he would say, uh, and, and he would talk about this, and he would say in, 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 his, in, in his comments here under a boycott, he says, there will come a boycott. No man can buy or sell unless he belongs to the Confederation of Churches. Mark my word, it ain't far off. You'll see it. It's just around the corner. Now, I, I'm not looking forward to these things, but I am looking forward to walking with God. I'm looking forward. And I, I'm not here that, that you, I'm going to coax you by fear to come in. I'll say this. What we don't preach enough is, is that without God, you don't want to stand there at the judgment day. Without a blood covering, you don't want to stand there. With just a church membership, with just some other religious covering, you don't want to stand there. But I'll say this, with the seal of God, you ought to be the happiest person you can be. And he would say, the Bible speaks here. The United States came up like a lamb, freedom of religion, Directly, they united those things together. They spake like a dragon, exercised the same power as the dragon before him. There's many quotes he would talk about. He actually talks about the Pentecostal and the evangelistic groups coming together into the federation of the Council of Churches, and there will come through them a forcing or a boycott, a boycott that will stop everything but what belongs to that union of churches. And he says, the Bible predicted people would not buy or sell. I, I was watching one of the articles and the clips. I got a brother who's, a, who's kind of what I call my, my uh, news correspondent, my political correspondent. He shares these things with me. Uh, he'll be unnamed. But he shares these things. But I was, I was, he led me onto something, and I went and followed it a little further, and I haven't even shared it with him yet. But it showed that members of the Trump administration who were who are not going along with the flow and saying this, they were already being threatened. You know, if you hang on too long, there's not too many jobs that are going to be available to you. And it started to undermine their stand in, in their group. And, and, and these are the kind of platforms and media pressure. Where's the pressure coming from? It's all around us. And, and so... It's subtleties. It's working into play. It's in politics. It's in media. It's, in, it's going to come through the church as well. It's at the door. And Brother Branham would say, I believe, I'm predicting, there'll come a great union. We will all sell out to the mother, the Catholic of Rome. And, and he says, that's the hour we're living in. There, there's many things he would share, but he would make this thing, and I, relative to the quotes, he would use this. The machine, the machinery is set in order. The only thing it needs is the dynamics to put it into force. The big machine is sitting there. Look at the broadcasts and things we hear today over the radios and newspapers. It's right on you now. Satan's machine is there, ready to crush down. But God's little flock also believes the word. The mechanics is ready. It's ready for the dynamics to set it afire with the Holy Ghost 
Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. Let's have the musicians come. We're going to just close it there. If you want to study some of these things, I'll tell you what, I've, I've enjoyed. Just had my headphones on and I'm out for a walk and I'm doing things. And I tell you what, it's like there's another world that I'm living in. And it's not the world around me. I'm not driven. I'm not forced. I, I'm, I'm not under the pressure that everybody else is under. I, I, there's a different kind of sound. I'm hearing the sound of something different. It's another sound that we're hearing. It's another voice. And, and I, I, I want to I, I, I just take, take this, and I took this and out of Isaiah this morning, and I just want to read this one more time. It, it just did me so much good this morning when I read it, and it was Isaiah 8, verses 12 to 13, and it's out of the Amplified Version. Do not call a conspiracy... Um, all that this people will call conspiracy, neither be in fear of what they fear, nor make others to fear and dread. The Lord of hosts, regard him as holy and honor his holy name by making him your only hope of safety. And let him be your fear and let your dread, he said, lest you offend him by your fear of man and distrust of him. Oh, friends, I, 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 I want to keep listening to this voice. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm listening to more tapes than I've ever listened. And I'll tell you what, it feels more like home to me all the time. I don't know if we know that song, I Keep Listening for a Different Sound. If we can sing that. Let's stand together. This is a little different kind of service tonight. But I, I, I feel like we need to be aware. And I would say, friends, you've got tapes. You've got all of these things. Avail yourself of them. I, I, I'll tell you, there's something. There's no other message. There's no other faith for a hope beyond what we have. Go ahead, Brother Marion. But I keep listening for a different sound. The sound of the city that John saw coming down. The sound of the bride being united with the
And I thought of this title, it just came to me, Condemnation by Representation. And it's a message Brother Branham spoke, and it seemed so far from where I was, and I thought, well, that was you, Lord, and I started to listen to it. And the opening scripture Brother Branham uses is Genesis chapter 1, and he says, let every seed bring forth of its kind. Let everything do it. And then he just begins to get in the message and he talks about high breeding. And he talks about how the world that was around him, everything was set. And because we were born with a new, an old birth, an old nature, we were already condemned. And we wouldn't have a hope and we would be condemned by virtue of that birth. But then he came down to the end of that whole service. And as he came to the end, and he said, in the Old Testament, when a man wanted to be identified at the house of God, he took the most innocent thing he could find, a lamb that was free from sin. And he would put his hand on that lamb and confess his sin. This is what Abel did. And he said, and the lamb died because he was a sinner. And the man lived by an act of faith as obeying God. And what did he do? He went out of the temple. He had an ability to worship, but he had the same desire. But there came a time when God gave us an example. He gave us the Lord Jesus. And he says, when a sinner puts his hand on his precious head and confesses his sins, he is transformed from a sinner to Jesus, and the innocence of Jesus is transferred by the Holy Ghost back onto that person. He's a new creature in Christ. There was a condemnation by representation. We were all identified with the old Adam. But when the new Adam came and we identified with what he did, now we are righteous by his representation. 
and the spirit that dwells in me, it is a seal to keep me in this wicked time. It is our righteousness. And I will say, you can read this, and I didn't even get to this part, and I didn't want to belabor. But I'll say, in the time of the plagues, in the time of the marking, there was one place the mark could not go. And it could not go on those that had the seal. And I'll tell you, there's times the devil has desired to come to our houses and establish his mark on our lives. But there's a seal. There's a blood sacrifice. There's an innocence. We are represented. Oh, friends, we ought to thank God. You can walk with protection in this world. You can walk with protection. You might get sick, you might get the virus, but there's healing. Healing's a part of the covenant. Yet you can be protected from it. You can be protected from fear. You can be walking in the middle of this earth because you're no longer condemned by representation. You've got now a righteousness speaking for you. Oh, I, that, that means so much these days. I'll tell you what, there's a death angel going around the land. But there's another group of people that are walking with him. Oh, I, I'm so grateful to walk with him. Let's just uh, sing a chorus. This world is falling apart. I remember I went to a wedding years ago, and, and I, it was one of the first weddings I ever went to. A, and they sang this song at a wedding. This world is falling apart. And I thought, what kind of a song is this at a wedding? <laughs> and I thought, well, there's a wedding that's happening right now. And if this world wouldn't fall apart, we wouldn't go to it. But that's our out. <laughs> Let's start from verse 1. This will be our last song, and we're going to dismiss you. While living below, everywhere that I go, this world's full of trouble and 